First of all, we're honoring all our veterans. So anyone who's served in the military, we want to thank you in this Memorial Day. Thank you guys so much. Thank you at home as well. I hope, I hope that your service doesn't go appreciated, unappreciated, so we thank you for that. The other thing I want to mention before we get started is just a quick update on our new building. We're still laying the walls. In other words, they're building the walls on the floor, on the foundation. And on June 21st, the walls are going to be erect. So we'll have a better idea what the building is going to look like. You get a chance, go over there, San Isidro and Springfield right in the corner. And so we're going to get pictures as more development comes. So we're super excited about that. So thank you guys for your support on that. Last week, I mentioned to you guys that when I first became a believer, I was on fire. Man, I, I wanted everyone to, to know what I was feeling, even though I didn't exactly know what this feeling I was feeling was all about. But I felt this huge guilt, relief, stress lifted off of me. And so the first person I shared this truth with, with was my wife. I told CJ, I don't know, this is awesome, but man, you, you got to partake of what I'm feeling. So I started reading my Bible and I started realizing some things that, that things that I didn't really know before. But I put them aside. I was raised Catholic. My wife was raised Catholic. But for years we hadn't been going to church at all, at all. So when this new me came home, it was probably a Tuesday, I told my wife, we need to get back to church. She was like, yes, of course. So we only went back to the church we knew. It was a Catholic church. And I sat there and I was listening. Please do not misunderstand what I'm trying to tell you. Nothing against Catholicism. Because I was sitting there and I had already started reading my Bible. Some of the things that the priest was saying weren't jiving with what I was reading. I was not in the Word. I did not go to seminary yet. I didn't know much about anything. But it was pretty simple that what I was reading wasn't correlating with what he was saying. So I started feeling a little uncomfortable. I would go to church with my Bible all excited, and I look around and say, well, wait, how come no one else has a Bible? How come no one else can open up and read for themselves? Only that guy, please, again, I don't want to get any emails. Only the priest, <laughs> only the priest has a Bible. Something's not right. Then someone said, come and see. Come to Grace Bible Church. So I mustered up the courage, brought my family, walked in through those doors, sat right there. I'll never forget. And the worship started, and I was like, uh-oh, what did I do? It's loud. First of all, there's no holy water in the entrance, and now all this loudness? And I kid you not, I leaned over to my wife, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My kids were hanging on to my wife, and I was like, oh, people with their hands up. Whoa, this is kind of weird. We sat down, and then the pastor came out, and he spoke the truth. And what seemed to be two minutes, the whole sermon passed, and we walked out, and I looked at my wife, and I said, wasn't that awesome? She said, yeah. For once, for once in my life, I went to a church where I learned something, and I wanted to apply it. So we walked out, but my wife was still uncomfortable with this new church, right? Because we knew our old church. It was tradition. So what we decided to do is one week we go to Catholic church. Then the next week we go to Grace Bible Church. 
Can anyone relate? Back and forth. We did this about two months, but there was a point where I, again, started growing more in the Word. I started serving here at Grace. And the more I went to Catholic church, the more I felt it's just not right. I love everything about it, but some things are just not there. And I told my wife, I don't want to do this anymore. And we argued. We argued. And I remember clearly, it was one Saturday night, because we were going to make the big decision. Did we go last week to Grace, or did we go last week to San Martin de Porras? I can't remember. And I said, I'm done. We're going to Grace. Our kids love Grace. I love Grace. I'm done. She goes, no, I can't. And I told her right then and there, I said, look, I believe if we're not being told the whole truth, then it's a lie. And that was it. She said, what are you saying? You're saying that all this time I've been deceived? And I said, CJ, I don't know, but things aren't matching up. And I want to grow in the truth, the whole truth. Months later, eight months later, my wife got baptized because she opened up her Bible. And it wasn't my arguing. It wasn't my forcing her. It was the Holy Spirit moving in her heart until she realized the truth. Let me ask you, do you guys ever know that something's not right? Do you know when someone is lying to you? Can you point it out? Isn't there like an uncomfortable feeling? Even though you don't know, just something is not jiving. Something is not correlating. But how many of us, if we're being honest, will confront the truth and say, you know what? What you're saying, I hear you, but it just doesn't agree with what I believe. Right? Instead of offending someone, Instead of trying to convince someone otherwise, we just say, viva la paz, let it be, let it go. I think a lot of us don't want to realize the truth because sometimes, a lot of times, the truth hurts. As I was preparing for the sermon, I went into a great scholar who wrote, who's written tons of commentaries, he's a great theologian. His name is Jack Nicholson. Ever heard of him? And this is what Jack Nicholson said about the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) And sometimes, church, we can't, if we're honest. The truth, if it goes against what we believe, hurts. We're continuing our series, uh, Jesus one-on-one conversations that we read in the gospel that Jesus had with different people. And today we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus had towards the end of his ministry, a conversation with Pontius Pilate. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to John chapter 18. By the way, next week we're putting Bibles back in the chairs. So done with COVID. So... Let me give you a little bit of context and background before we jump into John 18. It is Friday early morning, Thursday night. Jesus was arrested at the garden. He's taken by the Jewish leaders, the high priest, the Pharisees, and he's tried all night long. Now, this trial was illegal because you're not supposed to try anyone at night, but they didn't care. So they tried him. They hit him. But the purpose of these Jewish leaders was to kill Jesus. But see, the Jewish leaders didn't have the authority to crucify someone. The only one that had that authority was the governor of Rome, Pontius Pilate. 
So they bring him before Pontius Pilate to get that message across saying, look, this person, Jesus, he claims to be the king. That goes against your law. How can he be the king? You need to crucify him. So in John chapter 18, we're going to see that conversation that Pilate has with Jesus. And I want us to break down these verses that we're going to cover into three sections. And what we're going to look at first is the examination. The examination that Pilate gives Jesus. And then we're going to look at the defense. Because Jesus, in a way, defends himself. And it's a beautiful way, the way he does this. And then lastly, even though I know you all know the ending, we're going to see the verdict. Three things in these verses in John 18. So let's look at first the examination. John 18, verse 33 through 35 opens up like this. So Pilate entered into his headquarters again. Why does it say again? See, Pilate was going back and forth between the Jewish leader and Jesus. The Jewish leaders cannot come in or would not come into Pilate's headquarters because if they did, they would be considered unclean. So all night as this trial is going on and they're trying to convince Pilate, he was going back and forth and back and forth. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Are you who they say you are, a king? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? What he's saying, are you saying this on your own? Or did others tell you to say this about me? Is what Jesus is asking. And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Do I look like a Jew to you? Do I look like one of your people, Jesus? Your own nation, your people, the Jews, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate's saying, defend yourself. Pilate doesn't care about Jesus. He doesn't. Pilate is concerned for his well-being. The governor of Rome had two big tasks. Collect taxes and make sure that the people would not get excited and start a riot. So Pilate has this dilemma protecting his self. If I don't agree with these Jewish leaders and don't crucify him, then there go my taxes. But if I do crucify him and some people truly believe that he is a king, some Jews are following him, some Jews have seen the great miracles, then there'll be a riot. So he's got this dilemma, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm trying to get something out of Jesus. This is the, the reason I'm examining him. Give me something, Jesus. Defend yourself is what he's saying. So Jesus is now going to respond with his defense. Verse 36, and Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus' defense, Jesus' answer is simply this. I am a king. But you know what? He says it twice. My kingdom where I reign is not from this world because if it were which one day it will be, but if it were, I would have all my servants come like this in a flash, and I wouldn't be here in front of you. 
Later on in the same chapter, we read that Pilate says, I have the authority to kill you. And Jesus says, no, you don't. The only authority you have is because my Father in heaven has given you authority. Because his kingdom is greater than any worldly kingdom. So Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, you got it. I'm a king, but I'm not from here. Pilate goes on then in verse 37. He says, so you are a king. Aha, you just admitted it. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Yeah, I'm a king. And here is a very important verse. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus saying, I was born, I stepped out of my kingdom, I came into this kingdom for one purpose, one purpose only, and that is to bear the truth. So people will know the truth, and those that know the truth, those that understand, those that accept me as king of kings and lord of lords will hear my voice. My kingdom of truth, Jesus is saying, is greater than all kingdoms. And everyone, everyone who knows the truth of my kingdom and of who I am listens to me. They are my servants. Jesus says the same thing in John chapter 10, verse 27 through 28. He says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. I love that. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. When you follow the king, the true shepherd, and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you become his sheep. And Jesus has you in his hand, and no one can take that away. You're adopted into his family forever and ever and ever. Your salvation is secure in his hands. Verse 38, Pilate's going to ask the million-dollar question. What he really wants to know, he says this, what is the truth? You're telling me that all these things about the truth, that people that know the truth follow you. You came to bear witness to the truth. Jesus, what is the truth? We've been asking that, I think, for centuries. What is the truth? And we live in a society now that I believe is getting farther and farther and farther and farther from the truth. Dr. Steve Lawson lists about 10 characteristics of the truth. And I want to share with you guys four. Four that I believe you cannot negate. Four that you cannot go against it whether you like it or not. Four characteristics. The first one that he mentions is this. Truth is divine, not human in origin. Truth is divine. From the king of kings, from God, not man-made. 1 Corinthians 2, 13, Paul says this. And we imprint this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual truth is what god says is truth not society not man 
We're living in a culture that truly believes that whatever's true for you, whatever's true for you, whatever's true for you is the truth. That's not true. Truth, the only standard of truth is what God says, period. Second characteristic, truth is absolute. Truth has all authority. You know what truth is? This, the Bible. This has all authority. You want to have a standard of what's true and what's not true? Compare it to God's word. That is the standard of truth, all authority. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture from beginning to end is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Bible is truth. But here's the thing that happens to many of us. We don't know God's truth at all. So when someone's deceiving us about the truth, we can't tell. The only way to know the truth is to study the truth. And that way you know when someone is not matching up with the ultimate standard where is the truth. Let me just put a quick plug. We're starting a small group in June called How to Read Your Bible. Sign up. That way you can start learning the truth as I did and I could tell when someone wasn't telling the whole truth. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Everything yields to the truth. The contra anything that contradicts to the truth is a lie. And you know what, church? If we truly are followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to obey the truth, whether it feels good or not. Which leads me to my third characteristic. Truth is objective. It's objective, not subjective, objective. 1 John 4, 6 says this, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God's truth is black and white, crystal clear. Truth is not based on feeling. You can't. Well, I don't feel like it's the truth. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't matter. Truth is truth, whether you feel it or not, whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. That is the truth. Lastly, truth never changes. Truth is eternal. Truth doesn't have to be updated. Psalm 119, 160 says this. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. If one day something is true and then the next day it's not true, it's always been a lie. Period. Going back to John chapter 18. Let's look at the verdict. Verse 38, after he had said this, Pilate went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one, of, one man for you at the Passover. So you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, nah, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas, was a robber. Jesus is then taken, he's put on a thorn of crowns, 
we read that is, he is beaten beyond recognition. And Pilate's probably thinking, you know what, maybe this, maybe this is enough to satisfy the people. But no, they still say, crucify, crucify, crucify. Three times we read that Pilate saying, I have found no guilt in this man. He is a blameless, spotless lamb, no guilt, three times. We also read that in the scripture, his wife, Pilate's wife says, I have a dream. He's innocent. Don't do the wrong thing. And Pilate, I believe, deep down in his heart knew that he was killing an innocent man, blameless. He knew the truth. But to protect his own skin, he exchanged the truth for a lie. Church, I believe a lot of us do that. Like I said in the beginning, we know the truth. We are all image bearers. But because of our sinfulness, we exchange, choose to exchange the truth for a lie. Paul is really clear about this in Romans 1 verses 24 through 25. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves. Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Prior to these verses, he says, no one has an excuse. Everyone, because we're image bearers, have the imprint of, imprint of God. And we know, we know the truth. Here's the answer to the question. What is truth? Jesus. Jesus is truth. Whether you like it or not. John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace. And what? Truth. Jesus says this in a very popular verse, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. What is Jesus saying? This is, this is it. I am the only way. Not Buddha. Not those other guys. Not Muhammad. Me. That is the truth. That's why I stepped out of heaven to bear the truth that I am the only way. What Jesus is saying, you can't ever be good enough. You can't work your way to spending eternity with my father. You want to get to my father, you need to come through me. That is the gospel. What Jesus did for you and for me and anyone who puts your trust in his sacrifice and believes in their heart the truth that on the third day he rose the, again from the dead, then we become servants we are adopted into his kingdom the kingdom of truth the great scholar jack nicholson said you can't handle the truth right i think the question we need to ask ourselves is how are you handling the truth how are you handling it are you following the lies of the world or the truths of the word? Are you going to follow whatever culture and society says is true? Are you 
sticking to your guns about the truth? Is there something in your life that you feel not to be right? Like a lie? Are you exchanging the truth that God, the Holy Spirit, has put in you for a lie? Because you don't want to offend someone? Because that's the way you've been raised? That's the way you've been... It's been a tradition in your family? Whatever. Let me ask you last, how much time are you spending in the truth, the Bible? If you're not spending time in the Word, you're not going to be able to tell the truth from the lie, the standard of all truths. Church, I want to be a family that's truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. That when people point at grace, they can say, yes, they're true disciples because Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you know, you will know the truth. And guess what the truth will do? The truth will set you free. As I look back on that day when I gave my life to Christ, I felt free. You know why I think I felt free? That something had been lifted because I understood the truth. So what are we going to do? Grace. Are we going to stand up for the truth? Let's stand up for the truth. Let's be different what society says. Let's be true disciples of Jesus Christ and share the truth with love. With love. And no matter if society says there are all these different types of genders, we share the truth that there's only male and female. That's it. With love. When society says that you choose whom you want to marry, we share the truth saying there's only one marriage between a male and a female. That's it. And we share that with love. When society says that we get to choose who lives and who dies, when a baby is considered a baby, we say with love, that's not the truth. God is the one who decides, period. Will you come alongside with me to defend the truth in a time that the truth needs to be defended? And God says if we are for him, who dare, who dare be against us? Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise that you sent your son Jesus full of grace and truth, grace unmerited, undeserved love. Man, that is so freeing. Thank you for your son's sacrifice. That we know the truth. Father, I pray that if anyone sitting here or watching through TV has not accepted the truth of your son Jesus, and maybe still trying to earn his or her salvation through works that they do, you open up their hearts, be led by the Holy Spirit, and they accept the truth of the gospel, the good news that we are saved by grace through faith in your son Jesus. It is a gift that was purchased at the cross. Father, I pray for those of us that are called disciples of yours, that we call ourselves Christians, that we truly follow in your word and defend the truth, to be a light like you've called us to be, to be salt like you've called us to be. But we do it in love. That we do it by example, not just by words, but by deeds. 
I know that will please you, Father. I know that is your will. We are your church. And we are your servants. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Love you, church. God bless you.